0: Okay, a lot rattling around the old head again this morning. First and foremost, I'd like to say that I'm I'm a little bit chuffed at myself, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think the magnitude of what I'm about to describe has fully sank in yet, as grandiose a statement as that is. But I'm, I'm nevertheless quite chuffed at myself as it is, because in yesterday's episode, I was talking about the similarities, if not synonyms, Basically between mind and soul, ego and spirit, unconscious and conscious, and the left and the right hemispheres. I reckon to a large degree they're all synonyms. They're all essentially trying to describe the same thing. And if not exactly the same thing, things that are as near as makes no fucking difference on a practical level. And I tied in thought from Jung, thought from me McGilchrist, and thought from just my own observations. And one of the observations that I've made and I've mentioned on the podcast many a time now at this stage is this idea that we're split psychologically and physically. So when I say physically, I mean we, our brains are literally split. We have two halves of our of our cerebrums. We have a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. And the thing that joins these two things is called a corpus callosum, which you're going to get back to. And on a more philosophical note, we're also split. We have a, a soulful side and then we have a, a thoughtful side. And our thoughtful side, as I've said before, speaks English and wears a watch, which essentially means that time is relative to your thoughts and your mind to that side of you. And you communicate through language to a large degree. The other more soulful side of you is the realm of body language, and imagery, and feelings, and emotions. And a, a hallmark feature of a soulful experience is when you say, or you hear somebody say, oh, it, it, it's hard for me to put it into words, such as a, a dream, or the the feeling of having one goal in the Olympics. Tell us how you feel. Oh, jeez, it's great. Like, you know, the word, words fail us when we have truly meaningful, soulful experiences. And again, meaningful. Like, there's there's real a soulful experience ex, a soulful experience is meaningful and meaning is located in the soulful side of ourselves as opposed to the more thoughtful articulate side of ourselves. So a large so to a large degree we're we're split, but there are things that I've argued cross. So poetry will cross because poetry is language. It's the domain of the mind. But poetry, as I've said before, stokes the soul. It seems to cross the, the mind-soul barrier or the conscious-unconscious barrier or the spirit-ego barrier or whatever way you want to cross it. Maybe it, maybe it crosses from the left to the right of the brain or vice versa. But it's, it's simultaneously, it's both. Lyrics to a song does that. So the music, music would be soulful, because it's not language, but lyrics are also soulful, even though they are language. Or should I say they can be, because not all soul, not all songs have soul. A lot of industry-generated pop, for example, is all mind, it's all thought, there's no real, it doesn't invoke that much of a feeling, and when it does, it's often a perversion metaphor and hyperbole are two things that i've said endlessly that seem to cross this divide they seem to go from from one side to the other and if you look at that in purely biological terms in you know in atoms and molecules terms in the brain you could be forgiven for thinking that hyperbole or metaphor crosses that barrier and in that in that container in that World of atoms and molecules. The connection between your left and right hemisphere has a name. We we are very familiar with it. It's called the corpus callosum. And I've said that people who suffer from autism, one of the hallmark features of autism, as I understand it, one of them. There are many, but one of them is that they don't really get hyperbole or metaphor, they, and that's because they take things very literally. Okay, they they don't get. The idea that you drank a, a, a bus full of pints last night, because they, they they think about buses full of pints and it it, it doesn't it, they can't compute it. So what that got me to think about was the idea that maybe in people who have autism, there's something gone wrong with the corpus callosum itself. And I said on yesterday's podcast, I kind of i i, I posited the question. Is, is this the case? Because I'm, I'm by no means making the statement that it is. This is just amusing. It's just a, a thought experiment, essentially. And I put the question out there. I was like, I wonder, is there something up with the corpus callosum in the brains of people who have autism? And it was about two hours after I uploaded it that I had the genius light bulb moment to fucking Google it. Now, I Googled autism and the corpus callosum. Now, that's a i'm 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 looking for something specific there that's technically a bad search because it i'm I'm looking to prove myself right by using that search. If I wanted to find out the actual truth, what I would have done was what are the hallmark differences in the brains of autistic people because i'm I'm leading Google to give me the answer I'm looking for by putting in the two words that I want to join together, but that's what I did and I'm just being kind of open and honest with myself and whoever might be listening in relation to that. But a quick Google search of, quote, autism and the corpus callosum pulled up this. Quote, The corpus callosum, a thick bundle of nerve fibres that links the brain's left and right hemispheres, develops differently in children with autism, a nine-year study has found. The findings, published 11th of March in molecular autism, provide a clue to the pathology of autism, end quote. And that's dated the 10th of April 2015, so near enough to the day seven years ago. Now that hasn't fully sank in. I, I haven't integrated that. My mind has copped onto that. And I've gone, oh wow, that's class. But I don't think my fucking soul has caught up yet. But I think there's something, there's something fundamentally fucking amazing about that. And amazing about the world that we live in these days. And the, the, the access to information that we have. Because Let's say it was 30 years ago and somebody like me was having the exact same thoughts as I am have, which I'm sure they, they have had. I'm sure there are people who study autism who've noticed that autistic people tend to take things very literally and therefore don't get hyperbole and metaphor and such things. And maybe they thought in the same terms that I had, maybe it was a left right brain thing and maybe there's something wrong with the corpus callosum. But 30 years ago, you couldn't just fucking Google it. And there's something about that. There's something about the vastness of the knowledge of knowledge that's at our fucking fingertips. Now, as I said, I I led. That was a bad Google search, okay? Because I I put in the two words in the search that I wanted to find. What I should have done was written something along the lines of, "What's the main difference in the brains of autistic people?" And if the corpus callosum was thrown up, well, then fucking happy days. That would have been a better search. But. The fact that this was from seven years ago would lead you to assume, erroneously possibly, that it hasn't been corrected in the last seven years. Because if it had been corrected in the last seven years, there would be a likelihood that the correction would have come up ahead of something that was seven years old. Now again, I don't want to get too bogged down into this because if I would taken the fucking five minutes, I could have just put in the proper Google search and maybe found a better source. But that's what I found yesterday. And that's what has me on a little bit of a high because, I don't know, there's something to, there's something to this. There's something to this idea of figuring shit out for yourself. And then if it turns out that it was, it, it's already been figured out by somebody else, well, then what do fucking do? But you're not going to get to a new discovery without doing the hard work yourself. And there's a massive difference, a monumental difference between figuring something out for yourself and reading it somewhere. It's almost as though you go to the back of the maths book in school and you just read all the answers. You have all the answers, but if you haven't worked it out, essentially, you're no wiser for knowing the answer. Because I think when you're, when you're fed an answer, when the teacher at the top of the class tells you how to do something, Without making you essentially figure it out for yourself, it's all in the mind. It's all in the ego. It's all in the conscious. You haven't integrated it. It's the it's the working through it that makes it kind of soulful. It's the effort that has to go into it, because if you're just spoon fed something, it's almost too easy. There was no work involved, and work is a kind of a soulful thing. And this is essentially McGilchrist's whole shtick. I only kind of briefly mentioned them yesterday, and. I won't be able to do a deep dive in him now, but I'll give you a gist of, of his understanding of the of the difference between the left and the right hemispheres. And you'll see if you can notice anything in relation to what I've been saying in relation to ego, or ego and soul or spirit and thought or whatever way you want to word it. So as far as he's concerned, and this is a broad sweeping generalization alert again, but you'll get the sentiment. So our right hemispheres are the the realm of creativity. Now again, as I outlined yesterday, it's not as black and white as I'm going to mention it here. These are the broadest of broad sweeping generalisations. The right hemisphere is associated with creativity, with intuition, with instinct, with the art, with feelings and emotions and imagination and religion. And then on the left hand side, it's more analytical, it's more logic, it's facts, it's mathematics, it's science. And McGillcrest gives a great analogy and it kind of ties in with what I mentioned about the idea that our minds or sorry our brains can be independently conscious. So bird brains are split essentially exactly the same way the human brains are split for all intents and purposes and the way that the birds are known to use their separate hemispheres, their left and right hemispheres independently is the left brain which is more analytical and more fact-based, more science-based, more logical, it's looking for a seed amongst pebbles that look like fucking seeds. So it needs an incredibly narrow focus on distinguishing a seed from a stone so it can peck away and feed itself. However, simultaneously, so at the exact same fucking time, it needs to have a much broader awareness for predators And you've experienced this yourself. When you are walking through a city and you're minding your own business and you're having a laugh, maybe you're on holidays, maybe you're in a a city you're not that familiar with, and you're just going from one street to another street, taking in all the sights and all the rest of it, and then you find yourself down a kind of a, maybe a street you shouldn't be in, and you kind of get that feeling, you kind of go, oh, fuck. Now, you feel that. Okay, you don't think it. You don't say to yourself consciously, this, is, this street is dimly lit. The shops are boarded up. There seems to be a lot of homeless people around. There's a lot of rubbish on the streets. I think that's a hypodermic needle. There's broken glass. There's a, a weird smell of smoke that I'm not familiar with. It actually stinks of piss over in this corner. You don't think rationally and logically and articulately like that and then go thoughtfully and mindfully... I better remove myself from the situation. What happens is you find yourself in a dodgy spot and you just go, oh, fuck. And you feel it in your fucking bones. You shouldn't fucking be here. And that's the, that's the feeling that the bird has. Or that's the awareness that the bird has. The bird isn't thinking because it doesn't speak. It can't think per se. But it feels. And it feels the presence of a fucking predator. And this isn't, it, this isn't metaphysics by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that the, that the bird is in some way fucking psychic. What I'm trying to get across is the importance between the distinction of focusing your attention 100% on the seed surrounded by stones that look the same as the seed. So you're 100% focused, but simultaneously you're 100% focused on the fucking cat that could be lurking around. And animals that didn't do that got eaten. And given a long enough expanse of time, whether it be hundreds of thousands or indeed millions of years, things that got eaten didn't procreate as successfully as things that didn't get eaten for fucking obvious reasons. And what all of this has me thinking about is this idea of visualisations. But I'm going to save that, I think, till the next episode. And on that note, I'll catch to you tomorrow.